welcome to episode six of the Split Fire podcast. I couldn't think of any films that got to six um, that were any good, apart from Star Trek Six. So hopefully this is the Star Trek Six equivalent of the Split Fire podcast. What's happened since the new year? We had that live stream. That was pretty good. I got some fan mail, some genuine fan mail. Uh, so thanks for that. Uh, that was for someone in the Warhammer Fantasy um, Discord. What else did I manage to do? I managed to paint two units of High Elves, which is something I promised to do in the live stream, and I thought I'd never get round to. Uh, so it's a, a year of success, and we're only 10 days in. What else? Oh, my, um, the channel's Twitter, at SplitfireGaming1, because SplitfireGaming with a G has already been taken. Uh, that's gone up to 70-odd followers. Uh, and I've had a lot of support off, I'm going to name drop these because they've been very nice. Uh, Lord Metal Man, uh, Dave the Sandman, uh, Miniatures Apothecary, and of course the great Gamer Khan, who've liked, uh, followed, and shared the trash that I put out on Twitter quite a lot. So thanks very much. I just thought Twitter was a nest of poisonous vipers, but apparently there is a nice corner to it. So there we go. Um, we are going to try doing another live stream uh, towards the end of the month. I'm going to pin a tweet there on the Twitter, or uh, and if you've got any ideas, this is what they call uh, audience engagement, or getting the audience to do the work for you. I'm going to pin a tweet. If you put comments, like any areas that you'd like us to talk about on there, or under here, I think we're just going to, depending on how many we get, we'll put them in a bag and just draw them at random. And then we're under pressure to talk about them. Uh, what else have I got on my notes? Oh, apparently I've got listeners in Virginia, Kansas, and Minnesota. So if that applies to you, put a message on, because uh, I'm interested in how this uh, minor little podcast has been listened to in Virginia. So anyway, my That's... first... Well, we, whoa, hang on. Don't interrupt. Right. I'm whoa, doing whoa, my bit. Whoa. I'm doing my bit. You can't interrupt. Ian tried to interrupt, and he took over the thing. So I'm going to be militant in my guest management this I, year. I, I'll, I'll mute myself. I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll put myself in my place. It's all right. It's all right. I'm, I'm about to get around to the introduction bit now. Hey. That's fine. My first guest of the year is Adam. Welcome, Adam. Hi. Have you had a good hobby year last year? Uh, I actually have. Uh, after... Many, many years playing Iron Warriors and then gutting my collection and selling my all my Iron Warriors, <laughs> restarting as Black Legion and then selling all my Black Legion. I've uh, <laughs> restarted Iron Warriors. Um, <laughs> the circle is now complete to quote the a iron. different... Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, there we go on there. The Iron Circle is now complete, yeah. Very good. <laughs> Very, I don't actually have any Iron Circle because they're 30k models, which ruins the joke, but... Um, that's the world we're living in. Uh, partial credit, partial credit, partial credit. Um, yeah, it's been a good hobby. Yeah, I'm, uh, I've, I've. It turns out, it just, I just need to. I was 35, and on various kinds of medication to be able to, <laughs> to uh, accurately paint uh, hazard chevrons on armor. Uh, I was going to say, Iron Warriors have got that sort of. Well, the difficulty level spikes a bit with all the chevroning it does a little bit but uh because i wouldn't try that i don't have the skill 
I, I, I mean, I hesitate to say I've got the skill. Uh, oh, come on. Oh, oh for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Adam's another um, one of those horrible people who are naturally talented at painting. I'm, I'm, I'm really not that good, though. I'm, I'm, I'm above average. Everybody who says, everyone who's a good painter says, oh, I'm not really that good. I know, but have you seen these guys online, though? It, 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 no one gets to feel good about painting unless they're in the top one percent anymore, thanks to Instagram. Yeah, that's their job, or I'm sure they're, you know, they're professionals, or their their sole aim in life is to be great painters. I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess. I'm, I'm not, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. But uh, um, honestly, though, I think if you, I think the second um, you're not a professional painter. And you paint something and go, this is perfect. I don't have to do anything to it. I don't have like, any regrets or anxieties about it. I think you might as well give up because that's not the point. Like, it, it, I did art, which was a year of wasted life. Um, <laughs> keep, it light, keep it light. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, but, you know, it, it, it's been a year. Uh, um, the one thing I, I learned is that, like, a thing with creatives especially like these are people who went out of the way to do art not just you know hobby art kind of thing is that no one's ever happy with what they do and that's kind of part of the whole thing i i have to say um uh, having no creative um ability whatsoever it's very difficult for me to say that's enough um, yeah which i'm just getting around to now like those um white lines i finished i was stressing about oh i haven't done the little you know they have got little bits of cord and oh is that being mm. highlighted properly not bothered it's a block of 30 you're never going to notice and it looks fine so to be able to say that'll do i think that's yeah. uh, that for me that's that's a major thing especially when you don't i don't have the skill to put make it perfect so it's never being happy and not being able to fix it you mm. only get away from that and well, that's what i think anyway i think that's uh, i think fantasy old fantasy the, the, you know, the thing that exists, not the other thing that <laughs> came along. That's um, the one for my team. Get it. <laughs> That's, uh, it, it's quite forgiving of that because you've got the big arrangements of even your elite units are sort of anonymized by like the, the, the big serried ranks of uh, close form infantry. But I think with 40k, you've got, uh, and that other thing that happened you've got freestanding miniatures and they're, they're more visible from all angles than they've ever been before um yeah you can't really hide a unit five you can't hide them no no um, um there's a block of 30 you do the front rank tip top yeah. and then the like right back ones don't really matter but yeah that's uh that's that's uh sorry yeah the um uh i'm have been most the hobby i think yeah um i realized i sort of derailed you there uh, that's fine. It's, uh, um, it's, it's uh, broad strokes, appropriately enough, not uh, okay. targeted topics of conversation. But you used to work for Games Workshop. Briefly, yes. But, yeah. <laughs> and so that you are the one to, third person I've had on here that's used to work for the company. Yeah. Um, and I still have an answer for this. What is Jervis Johnson really like? I worked at the store for six months. Um, so I can give you full conjecture. <laughs> in the, so you're, full, you're able to speculate on what he's like. I can absolutely speculate on what Jervis Johnson is like. Um, he's more down to earth than you might think. Uh, <laughs> but um, 
He's relatable. Yeah. Uh, however, gold. Has he got a heart of gold? gold? He has. Salt of the earth, really. Yeah. Um, but when you get him talking, he can get a bit snotty, you know. Right. And you get him talking about rules and yes. uh, and and um, what is it, fluff crafting, and he ooh, he turns he's, on you. He's lived in that white dwarf ivory tower for too long. That seems a contradiction. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But since neither of us have met him, then uh, <laughs> it's applicable in any situation. Then there you go. Yeah. Um, Apparently, um, you, you always used to write these tactical things in. I can't remember this. Someone was telling us about it. You used to write these tactics in White Dwarf, and they're always rubbish. They never worked. And he always got beaten. He wrote the tactics page, and he always got beaten in all the battle reports. Perhaps. Um, this is not a go at Jervis Johnson. I've never met uh, him. Uh, man. Uh, 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 <laughs> I know. <laughs> We've both confessed to this. <laughs> um, uh, maybe it's just a sort of like some sort of uh, Confucian sort of Sun Tzu nonsense that, like, you know. I don't know. Is there a thing in the art of war about that? Getting the shit knocked out of you on tabletop? So um, much? Become... I, maybe in the annex, the bit that they didn't publish. Sun Tzu binned that off. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I wish he'd left it in because that would justify my entire Warhammer fantasy career. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to go down that rabbit hole or should we skip over that bit? Well, if it comes up, if it comes up, <laughs> we can talk about how I've literally never won a game of Warhammer fantasy. <laughs> That's, uh, well, since sixth edition, uh, yeah, you have. You won that um, when we did that uh, mini tournament. When against who? I thought you beat oh, John. Oh shit! Yeah, I beat. Sorry, sorry, sorry. My I managed to beat goblins. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> got to start somewhere. Yeah, start. Yeah, you've, now we. You've, you've actually came third in a Warhammer Fantasy tournament. Yeah, yeah, came third in a tournament of four players. So you, you leave that bit out. Sun Tzu <laughs> says, "Leave it out. <laughs> leave it. Leave it out." That's what he says. Um, I normally do this. How did you get into um, the world of hobby? Oh, um, I'm out of practice here. It's a big gap since the last one. Uh, well, a, 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 a mutual, a mutual acquaintance of ours. <laughs> Well, he got me into it originally. Uh, second edition, Warmer 40,000, quite early on in second edition, actually. Um, oh, you may be able to answer this. Um, on the last oh. one, um, I said that the guy in the front of that box was a Blood Angel, and Gavin said he might have been a Crimson Fist. No, he's definitely a Blood Angel. Knew it. Knew yep. it. It's the second battle for Armageddon, which uh, before some retconning, some stage was, I believe, Blood Angels and Salamanders, but then it sort of shifted to be Black Legion and Salamanders, and I think the Blood Angels may have been there. Right. But it gets confusing because in-universe, to put my law hat on, in-universe, they refer to the second battle for Armageddon as the first battle for Armageddon because the first battle of Armageddon was deleted from history records. <laughs> so, All right. That's, that's the one where that's, that's angry. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh... It was a cornet demon incursion that was put down by the Grey Knights and Space Wolves and some guardsmen who were all killed Well, for the, witnessing it. The second stroke first battle may come up later. So I think it's for uh, it, it, it will actually on both our accounts. Oh, I remember good. my notes. Yeah. Um, no, we don't know what we've written, honestly. All oh, right. Is it all? <laughs> none of this is premeditated. No. no I, there was no. This wasn't delayed at all by my anxious uh, <laughs> attempt to write a script. 
Don't pull the mask. This isn't the Wizard of Oz, right? They I don't mean, need to know what goes on behind the uh, the mask. This is how Hollywood does it. So anyway, yes, he introduced you to second edition 40k. He did. Um, uh, long-time 40k fans may remember that as the box with all the cardboard in plus 40, what was it? Um, it was 20 Orcs, 20 Gretchen, and 20... 20, no, it was 20 Oaks, 40 Gretchen, and 20 oh, Space Marines, all monoposed. Uh, yeah. And a cardboard dreadnought token. Um, it also had the uh, the great painting guide for the Space Orc Goth, where it was from uh, undercoated to fully painted to the best stands of the day in three stages. Yes. <laughs> Done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, like base coat it, paint the layers on, highlight. That was right. You're done. Do you, yeah. yeah. Do you want to show me how to do that? No. Even with the space orc golf checkerboard pattern, so just paint that yeah. on. Yeah, you just just do it. Just do it by. Yeah. Eye. Listen do to it. This. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> you won't need a pencil or tools. Yeah, what's wrong with you? Just paint it on. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, this actually goes back to what we talked uh, we we'll talked about earlier. The whole hobby and obvious inadequacy thing. I wonder if GDLU isn't partly responsible for that. Like. <laughs> but, but, but Papa, I followed the instructions, and it looks like an abomination. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got three. I've got Goblin Green, uh, I've got um, Chaos Black, and I've got uh, whatever the red was. Um, and that doesn't appear to be sufficient paints to do this heavy metal standard of the day model. And uh, what was it? Um, I remember in the old painting guide, I shit thee near. <laughs> the highlight recommendation for Ultramarines Blue was you painted them, uh, I think in the original paint guide, it wasn't Ultramarines Blue, it was Enchanted Blue. <laughs> uh, and you highlighted them with a mixture of Enchanted Blue and Mithril Silver. And I can assure you, uh, <laughs> by going into the garage, in fact, and digging out, I still have three or four of my first ever painted Space Marines. That that looks atrocious. <laughs> um, now they actively say don't mix metallics with normal paint because it will ruin the normal paint with all the metallic. Yeah, yeah, no, none of that. Just mix that up. Just mix it up. Don't Highlight worry about it. Goblin green base. Yeah, Add flock, off lock. <laughs> flock goblin green. It's the best way. Which did you pick any of those armies, or did you pick a different army? Oh, uh, way back in the day. Oh, what was my first week? Uh, I think I went at it with like many, I think it was about 10. So I went at it like many 10 year olds in that you just bought the models you thought were cool. So I think I had 10 Metal Cadian Guardsmen, a bunch of Ultramarines, because of course. Yeah. Uh, Marnius Kalgar, <laughs> because of course. Uh, and what was it? Uh, a Lehman Russ and a Hellhound. Uh, it was a garbage army, but. Uh, they were probably that actually probably came back at the back end of eighth edition as Imperial Soup. So yeah. everything, was, everything just ahead of my time. Then. Yeah. Uh, but no, um, I yeah, I, I embraced chaos roughly uh, when that amazing first Codex Chaos came out. Uh, back the first unified Codex Chaos in second edition. Um, that wasn't the one that applied to fantasy as well. No, it? no, that was the one before. Although people forget this, uh, in the back of the second ed 40k codex, um, there are chaos warrior units and beast men, um, because there's like worlds of chaos 
auxiliaries you can put in your army in some of their advanced lists. And uh, yeah, you get like cultists, um, warriors of chaos who have like primitive armor, uh, and you get like arm men that they get chaos cultists that can take muskets. It's really weirdly in depth, and I never saw any player ever use them, but it was there. That's um, second edit that they hadn't quite transitioned out of the what kind of game is this to third edition is what everything else is built on. Second, yeah. still like what what the hell are we doing really? It's the rules as well are a nightmare. Do you do you ever um, people forget this because like uh, I played second edition um, and people forget how close combat used to work. Is um, it like model by model or something? No, it, like it's actually insane how it worked. Um, what was it? Now, you know how you, you know, you've you got a number of attacks. You roll those attacks. You roll to see if they hit. You roll to see if they wound. In the old days, you rolled your attack dice, which gave you a number of hits. And that was the number of attempts you got to make on your opponent. And you could sacrifice a number of those hits as parries, which negated opponent hits. Uh and yet, so basically, in the actual um, rule book where it gives you an example of a space marine sergeant fighting an orc, he does 11 hits <laughs> with his gemsword, <laughs> um, which is mental. But uh, yeah, people forget that the combat in 40k used to be absolutely insane. Um, and whether a weapon was kept, you know, back, in, back then, uh, the advantage of a power sword over a power axe was that a power sword could parry, but a power axe could be used in two hands or one hand um, with different profiles. So uh, I think it's that, that's the part where like, we're not quite out of being a tabletop D&D game because... Yeah, it's, you, still the, it's still the RPG element to it. Yeah. I mean, as you well know, uh, as you probably well know, the original Rogue Trader edition of the game recommended three players minimum because one was the DM. Yeah, I remember that. Well, I don't remember it, but I've seen it. In, yeah. <laughs> it's just someone's gonna have to do the admin. Um so you were you turned to chaos. I did, uh, yes. Um and I, honestly, I don't think I ever really fully looked back. I, you know, I think we all have that same thing if we dip in and out of the hobby. Um which we've all done. Uh and when I came back, it was again uh in late third or early fourth edition with you and that was iron warriors and back then you were tyranids i believe yeah i bought a load of tyranids about a week before they remodeled them to the new tyranids oh those ghastly hive tyrants which were still uh, not quite as ghastly as the first model the first model's great the warriors are better but, yeah um yeah i remember that so that that was that would have been sort of like the early 2000s that's when I got back into it the second time round. Yeah, because we we used to um, go gaming in the Metro Centre store. Ooh, yeah, with, on a tiny on a four like a four by four table. Yeah, again, that's now in again. So. <laughs> it's all coming back around. It's, it's nothing new. Um, I don't think we went to any tournaments or anything for forty k, did we? We did go to that big. Uh, oh, it was trying to set a world record at the time. Do you remember the? Uh, it wasn't Games Day. It was like it was no it was, the NEC. It was the, no, no, no. That this was in stores. Um, and oh yeah, it was the big armor battle thing. Wasn't yeah, it? It was all vehicles and monstrous creatures. Something like that. And your the battles affected the tables in your room, but the cumulative results of all the stores added together, and when this big sort of pot 
Uh, and I don't know what happened after that. I think I lost interest. I just went to do the games, which was fun. They stopped doing that because the sides that won weren't the ones they wanted. Yeah, that was the, wasn't that the big thing of uh, the, the the massive uh, diarrhea storm that was storm of chaos. <laughs> oh yeah, they had to do all of that. Just I think the the uh, the evil side just annihilated the, the good side. <laughs> Absolutely obliterated midnight. Yeah, um, so, and then and then people then they just retconned it in eighth edition. Like right, we'll set it before this even happened. <laughs> yeah, because forget that, forget that didn't yeah, happen. That never happened. Arkhan didn't get chinned by was it Azag the Slaughter or Grimgor? I, I think it was think. Grimgor. Grimgor. Uh, nutted him unconscious. It. Yeah. We can't have that with our chaos lord. Valton just got absolutely shit mixed. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like didn't. That, I think they drift that's why they drifted away, because they had no control of the narrative and people were annoyed that right, well, we've just invested months of our time to do this, and you're just throwing the, the results out the window. Yeah. <sighs> Happy times. Yeah. I was a Chaos Warrior. I was a Warriors of Chaos player at that time, but I wasn't involved in the actual Storm of Chaos gaming. No, I, I did pass me by as well. I think I was yeah. lizard met. I was, yeah, I would have been lizard at the time. You, you were. Yes, I remember the frustration of using a corn Warriors of Chaos army, marching slowly towards infinite poison blow blowpipes and the best magic in the game. <laughs> yeah, they were strong in their sixth edition lizard. <laughs> To be fair, the, 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 I think that was the, the, the was the carrot and stick of the corn army of sixth edition was, if you get there, you won, but yeah. you got to get there. Yeah, that, that's well, that's the, always the chaos thing, isn't it? Unless you zinch. Yeah. Um, any time you're not spent in combat is time wasted. Yeah, I mean, I really uh, like shooting. I don't understand why I keep picking fantasy armies that have almost none. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's even your secondary. Fantasy Army doesn't shoot. Nope. Not, no. a little, not even a little bit. <laughs> Sorry, no, it does. It has yelling bats. Oh, Can't yeah. That's, that's not really a shooting attack, though. It's just made in the shooting phase. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, not really shooting at all. Sorry, sorry to get technical, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, but you, you've got quite a significant guard army. Um, yes. Well. Uh, my main um, army 40k right now is guard. Um, I... Guard have always sort of crept in and out of whatever I did in 40k. I've always had some guardsmen somewhere. Um, but uh, I think it was 5th edition. No, it was, yeah, no, it was late 5th edition, mid 5th edition. I just got into a guard army. I'd done um, Eldar for a bit because the, the, the you may all remember the campaign of new 40k, new army for 5th edition. Uh, Give us more money. Yeah, yeah. If you worked in the store, that was mandatory. Um, so <laughs> give us your pay. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so I picked Eldar and I picked Iandin, and this is before Iandin dominated the hobby for what feels like forever. Um, and I was trying, I as I often do, as you can probably attest. Uh, I, I try to make fluffy armies, so I was thinking, right, it's got to be infantry light because you know it's a ninety percent of this craft world's dead. So you know, wraith guard, couple of wraith lords, far seer, wraith, uh, a spirit seer, um, and I think it was one big mob of guardians all who used to huddle around the far seer, uh, and that army. 
by accident was <laughs> undefeatable. Um, uh, I, I, I sort of gradually eased off playing with it in the store because it, it was six for six, uh, and uh, I'd accidentally made an absolutely monstrous list just trying to make something that looked nice in the cabinet. <laughs> um, that must be like the modern age or just before where if someone previously you think oh i like the iron hand so i'll, I'll make a nice little iron hand army you know oh yeah. my god <laughs> <laughs> oh oh what <laughs> now you're getting lumped in with all these people who've power gamed it no i really like them it's it's nothing to do with the gaming yeah uh, shadrack yeah, right. Medi- medicine's my favorite guy in our service who well, uh, to quote, I think it's either Horace or Fulgrim, Shadrach Bloody Medicine. <laughs> He's also in Sharp. There's a different character. Yeah. Uh, what were we talking about? Um, oh, yeah, um, Eldar. Yeah. Um, Eldar. Accidentally made a... Accidentally made a powerful super list. Uh, but yeah, that I, I, I always, always guard was where I wanted to be, and uh, I like your guard's paint scheme. I think that blue th- is very nice. A nice sort of like a it's it's not quite corn. It's it's the step between like an imperial blue and corn flower. Would you say? Hmm. It's like uh, it's it's not quite sky blue, but not quite navy either. Uh, I think originally uh, we used to. You were there when I came up with the paint scheme. Actually, we were we were, we were painting in my kitchen, watching Lock and Load with Ali Ermi. <laughs> the greatest um, show of all time. If anyone wants one, to see that, it's 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 one of the greats. Absolutely. Uh, rest in he, peace. He hates them melons. He does. Well, he, he likes melons in heaven now. <laughs> <sighs> and he made a much worse joke. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to dis. I disrespected um, Paul Daniels last time. But I'm not going to do that. <laughs> How did that happen? Listen to the live stream recording. If it does come. Um, I, don't, I shall. Um, <laughs> bloody hell! What have I got myself into here? Uh, <laughs> uh, right, yes, sorry. Yeah, uh, lock and load. Early. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the old. The, I think it was originally because you know you see how people do. Uh, there's the. I roll that is Nazi guard uh, and Wehrmacht yeah. guard and British Empire guard. It's been all been done. Um, and I thought I've never actually seen someone do like a French Imperial style color scheme, which is where the whole, you know, like the, there's the, the line infantry of Napoleon was the with the, um, the black shackles and the, uh, got the blue, the grey and the blue yeah. with some white accenting. And I sort of kept black armor and used white for the elites. And it's, it's worked pretty well, actually. It, as you say, it looks distinct from a lot of guard armies because people it, yeah. aren't used to seeing a bunch of blue Lehman Russes. It, it does. I like it on that. And I like it on the, um, what's the transport called? The Chimera. Yeah, I like it on that. It's very nice. Chimera is, it's, it's an old kit, but it checks out. Uh, um, it's Check just off the got, references, uh, listeners, as they come up. I've got, I've got plenty of them. I've got, <laughs> I've got a notepad here. Um, the, uh, it's the whole. It's, it's just got so many nice, like rivety bits and hard edges. It's just, a, it's a dream to highlight with just like a gentle dry brushing. Um, I'm not one of those airbrush guys. It's gonna get, come out now as a non-airbrush painter. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> alive! So, so brave. <laughs> the community's here to support you. <laughs> uh, 
uh, or or curse my name. <laughs> could be <laughs> alternately. Uh, yeah. It's a, I, I, Reddit tells me it's a surprisingly divisive issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't really get into it, but I, I've tried airbrushing and it's it's not for me. I, I know you can do incredible stuff, but I'm not even interested in learning it. I find that I find the compressors make a, a racket, which I find like yeah, it takes I, to be I a find setup. it's quick, but yeah, it, it's but like to me, painting is a quiet, contemplative, <laughs> peaceful activity. <laughs> like compressor going off on your ear? No, none of that. Uh, especially because I often, uh, as a as a near lifelong insomniac, I, I I've painting's been a really good release for me, and I I can't imagine that's unique to me. There's got to be lots of us hobbies out there who. Uh, have found themselves late night painting up next to a lamp. Um, well, I was going to say, mention something about uh, Imperial Guard. Oh, you've um, has your success record with the Imperial Guard beaten your fantasy success record? It has not. Uh, <laughs> because to be fair, it's been a lot closer than you would than you lose by. I think the last eighth game we played, you lost by a point. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've drawn. A few times, mostly against you. Uh, there's a recurring pattern here. Um, uh, uh, with your Admech, um, who are a totally fair army, not replete with buffs, rerolls, and abilities to make guardsmen not shoot them ever again. <laughs> well, <laughs> we don't have orders. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I just remember that the one time I was at a game, and uh, where was it, Richie watching us? <laughs> it's like, all right, I'm going to shoot this unit. And you're like, you're minus two to hit. So you're hitting on sixes. And Richie's like, how am I, man? <laughs> <laughs> from, from the sidelines. That seems unfair. That's, well, ninth has got rid of that. You can only ever have a plus one or plus minus one modifier. Yeah. That's, so they've sorted that out. It's a relief for guard players. I can tell you that much because... Uh, well, you hit yeah, on four. There's no you? So it's... Yeah. There's no amount of weight of fire that can make sixes a worthy investment of anything. Um, but yeah, they've, they've, they've done okay. Uh, as you know, we did that big grueling... Uh, well, that was... What was that? That was three... Was that 5,000? Uh, three or 3,000 points aside. No, it was... 5,000. Uh, two, four. I think it was 6,000 aside. Because we had 2,000 points. The, the biggest game was 2,000 points, and then we all... No, it was 4,000 points. Are you sure it wasn't five? Because I've got a funny feeling it was was. two and a half thousand. Yeah, Yeah. 5,000 points. That's right. Yeah. And that was, uh, I honestly thought we'd won that right up until we didn't. (laughs) This is what I was saying uh, in the, um, uh, what do you call it, live stream. Um, The objectives have changed so much that you've got to keep your eye on them. Yeah. Just annihilating stuff is not necessarily the way to go, um, but it's such a big game. Right? How are you supposed to keep track of? I mean, objectives? I thought I, I thought we were keeping track of objectives. <laughs> to be fair, I just didn't. I I think the problem is you don't always know what your opponent's scoring with all the time. That's the thing with um, the hidden objectives and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. I, I did. I mean, ludicrously big game so i wasn't really that bothered about the result but um, that was more the fun of the playing it um and that was that was quite a thing that was what was it i was guard with allied scions and you were knights yeah all of my so after i after i 
unpacked about 200 miniatures. You put down, what was it, 13? Uh, less than that, I think. Yeah. I'm sorry, no, you didn't take any armages, did no, you? Uh, I think it's four knights and two armages or something. Oof. Four knights and three <laughs> armages or something, so yeah. Yeah, we're deploying forever. I mean, we're against night lords and tyranids. Um, so even similar, even similar size of deployment. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was a, a, that was a grand thing. Yeah, like that sequential because it started like five hundred and then over yeah. the course of three days up to five thousand. But uh, I mean, uh, I'll say it for that, it, it's really eighth and ninth have really reinvigorated, uh, uh, reinvigorated me because I've got what well, I've got my sister's army and my chaos army built now. Um, in painting in progress, and I they, neither of those two have been play tested yet. So I'm looking forward to that when um when uh Nurgle <laughs> um, yeah, gives us a break. I think the uh, if this has been the 40k universe, this planet has been exterminatus for Nurgle cult worship at this point. Touch wood. Um, I yeah, I'm gonna I'm not gonna buy anything new because I've got a night army. I bought a load of Thousand Sons, and I've got that Admech army to finish. So I think I'm going to go back to the Admech. Yeah, because I quite. I mean, it. I'm not. I'm not planning on buying anything new except maybe some Terminators for the Chaos Army. Because I mean, they're a mandatory kit. They are beautiful. Um, and I think it just doesn't feel like a proper Iron Warriors army without a little wedge of Terminators in there somewhere. But the topic that we've picked to talk about... Um, oh God, I forgot about that. Yeah, 40 minutes. <laughs> uh, so the topic we've gone for is top five characters, um, which looking through my list, um, if you saw my top five armies, you could probably predict what my characters are going to be. Yeah. I'd, uh, I, I think I'd nailed four out of five of your choices, which I totally don't know about. <laughs> You can at least keep the illusion that this wasn't prearranged. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, do you want to go first or shall I? I don't know. I guess I'd go first because uh, I know I'm not going to step on your toes with this one. Because uh, right. you uh, guess right. I'm taking it. Uh, okay, so my number one pick, um, and I should actually caveat this with um, some of these may be good on the tabletop but some of them aren't. Uh, that's not really why I picked them. Uh, mostly I picked them for law or fun or sometimes just the model goodness, but... Mine's a uh, mix the, of... Uh, in fact, looking through the list, it's mostly fluff. Uh, there's only two and a half, maybe, that are anything really about Battlefield ability. Uh, so my first pick was uh, Nagash. <laughs> <laughs> Um, strong opening choice there. You just, yeah, you got a blitzkrieg um, <laughs> with the. Uh, well, it's hard to ignore Nagash if you talk about one fantasy because he's always been there, literally, pretty much, <laughs> um, and always will be. And he survived it. Uh, at the the dubious distinction of possibly being quite instrumental in killing Warhammer, <laughs> although. You that, could probably lay most of that at Manfred's feet, I think. That was uh, all a dream. It was all a dream. Yeah. Uh, but if anyone was going to kill most of the old world, theoretically, it probably would have been Nagash. Uh, you know, the Supreme Lord of the Undead, the Great Necromancer, Sauron 2, <laughs> Electric Vugaloo, <laughs> the Tsar of Zombies, 
the Sultan of Skeletons, the Ayatollah of Rock and Roll. <laughs> He's getting as um, many titles as um, Setra at this rate. At this rate. And he'll get more because Setra's dead. Deal with it. <laughs> well, he came back. Um, they, all, they always come back. So uh, let's see. Nagash comes out the gate as uh, as as a, as a one to watch. Uh, he rolls super hard. He kills his own brother Thutnep by locking him in his dad's pyramid, <laughs> um, and steals the throne of Kemri. Uh, That's which... on the old. Uh, the firstborn is supposed to be a priest, isn't it? The firstborn, yeah, yeah. for the sacrifice to the gods. But the yeah. guy has got other ideas, apparently. It has. Um, you see, that's the whole... It, 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 I actually have this in my script. I totally didn't prepare. <laughs> the ve- in, this, in the very first instance of Nagash really not being happy with accepting his lot in life. <laughs> uh, a trend that will absolutely continue. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be some yardering because uh, Nagash has been alive for literally thousands of years. But um, <laughs> yeah, at some point, some Dark Elves shipwreck in Kemri and are captured by his dad, uh, who is dead at this point. It's it's a bit hazy on this um, that his father. It mentions his father captured these dark elves, but then I guess I guess dark elves live technically forever too. So um, that would explain why they're just lying about, I guess. But he 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 nicks them, uh, uh, tortures them, masters dark magic, kills them with it. And at this point, Nagash decides to get serious. Uh, so he's chilling out, as you do, as one does. You've usurped your kingdom. Um, he invents necromancy, uh, <laughs> writes nine novels, which are very heavily necromancy-themed. Uh, the the uh, Kemri Times bestseller. Yeah, the, the nine books of Nagash. Uh, it's, the, it's the Game of Thrones of the world. Oh, uh, do they get worse towards the end? Uh, well, in terms of how he gets much more deadly the more of them he has, I guess technically they do. <laughs> I like how um, necromancy is just you take the um, priest cult from Kemri and you mix it with yeah. dark magic and, oh, we can now... It's like... The uh, the priest cult magic is now on speed or something. Basically, yeah, it's like because they they just use it to well they come around to that later, uh, but it does mention they can make small animated constructs. I think early on, but nothing too fancy. So a shapti aren't in the mix yet. They have to like research those uh, because they suddenly realize that Nagash can raise the dead. Actually, no, they don't know that yet. Uh, that that comes up obviously. <laughs> But yeah, uh, he's still bored, uh, I guess, because he's never not busy. Uh, deciding he has shit to do and not enough life to do it in, he just invents fatality, immortality, as one does. Uh, passes it around his best mates, which includes Arkan the Black. And now, now Arkan the Black is a good one to watch. He nearly made it on my top five as well. Uh, this is a guy who recognizes talent. You know, he's a nobleman who was in the priesthood with Nagash uh, and just like looked at him, was like, this guy's going places. Uh, time to get into the ground floor. Uh, and because of that, he gets the uh, immortality serum or potion or whatever you would like to call it, uh, as well as some of the choice priests who become Nagash's lieutenants. Um, and, you know, Nagash being Nagash, 
uh, is quite evil. So <laughs> the immortality juice isn't permanent. Uh, you've got to keep drinking it, and only he can make it. Uh, so he's like, first one's free, guys. Uh, so he's sort of like a drug <laughs> pusher of uh, Kemri. Another drug metaphor, yes. Um, he's just a very sophisticated crack dealer at this point. So he's set, yeah, the first, not the first necromancer, but the first uh, crack distributor. <laughs> it's the lesser known of one of his titles. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, then he builds the largest structure in the world. <laughs> um, just, just it like still that. is the largest structure. Uh Thousands died doing it, but you know the gas doesn't sweat that. Uh, it is a pyramid, and I actually I, I noted this. Uh, I never really realized this. It's the ultimate power move, considering he's immortal. He builds the world's largest tomb for himself. <laughs> it's just like a real dick move. <laughs> it's supposed to channel. Um, oh no! Yeah, it has a it has a function. It? Yeah. It, it, it channels is it channels the winds of magic and pulls them through Kemri, but it's just the big poke in the eye of I can't die now thousands of you must die to build my tomb which I'll never use well also his thinking was at the time I can only assume I don't think he planned to die at any point um, but yeah I, you can see why I, I led with Nagash because there's so much more so much more to cover and it's at this point uh, well he is the supreme lord of all the stuff and things in not Egypt. Um, but he returns to the Gashazar, apparently, not giving too many craps about it. Um, he has decided, because this guy is something of a, an overachiever, he, he's never happy. Never, he's never like, he's at this point, let's just, just to backtrack. He has invented necromancy. Uh, he has mastered dark magic. Uh, invented necromancy. Invented immortality. Possibly air conditioning. Built the world's largest building. Uh, subjugated an entire kingdom twice. Uh, and accidentally invented vampires. Now he decides he wants to do a giant uh, spell known as the Great Ritual of Nagash, which would resurrect every single corpse on the planet and bring them under his control. So it's, yeah, it's a bit of a lofty, lofty uh, goal there. Uh, this is his first go at world domination. Uh, so he goes, he, it, it's best you don't ask questions at some of the points of this. He gets a bunch of warp stone from somewhere. I believe in the older versions of it, it was mined uh, at Cripple Peak of that might be later because this story is confusing as crap. Um, yada, yada, yada. It says he consumes the warp stone. So as a kid, I assumed that literally meant he ate it. Uh, it's never made clear how one consumes warp stone. Um, well, like, uh, great to see a sniff it. <laughs> it's like... yeah, some of them huff it like it's powder. Uh, or you powder it and inject it into your, into your veins. It, no, seriously, there, there are a cl some clans... Skyer, Skryer constructs work on having warp stone pumped into them. So let's assume he's eating a bunch of freaky moon rocks. Uh, that 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 works for me. That's how he's consuming them. He's eating them. They make him way more powerful, and he was already fairly powerful. 
with all his books and whatnot. Um, and the ritual goes off. Uh, slurping up all that their life and uh, poisoning this guy, you know, stand, very biblical stuff. Uh, sky gets poisoned, rivers run black, all that nonsense. Um, but what he doesn't know is the Skaven, uh, noticing that it might not be beneficial for them or anyone else for Nagash to summon every corpse on the planet and have full control of it. The Skaven sneak in and give him the fell blade. Now, this is another thing I've recently just become aware of. The fell blade is a deadly magic weapon. Uh, I don't know if it still works the same way as it used to, but it, it used to give the the bearer in the days of magic cards uh, strength 10 attacks with no saves allowed, I think. Yeah, it still does. It's it's said to be made of uh, highly refined warpstone. Effectively, this is the equivalent of a bunch of sketchy dudes breaking into your prison cell and giving you a sword made of pure uranium. And they go... It's also to be noted that since the Fellblade kills its wielder and the Skaven are aware of this, that's why they want to give it to Alcadazar, so none of them have to use it. They're not idiots. No. Uh, So yeah, he breaks into Gash's throne room. Uh, Alcadazar runs in, lops off his hand, uh, and then chops him up and boots him into his own (laughs) warpstone furnace. Um, And uh, most of the undead he raised die. yeah, uh, he, he comes back though, doesn't he? he sort of reforms yeah. in. Is it like a, like a big growth T one thousand? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, he takes on the empire. This is actually his briefest bit. His first resurrection is kind of like, oh, it's it's. I remember. I, I don't know. They, they, they wrote the background novels, which I only read the first one of, the, the Nagash trilogy. Um, but I'm still based on the old Warmer Armies and Dead books. And this bit was kind of like a, a footnote. He just turns up, harasses the Empire for a bit, and then Sigmar twats him with a hammer and he dies. Yeah, he's after his um, crown, which Sigmar has. Uh, yes, that's exactly it. how Sigmar's got it. Um, but Sigmar puts the crown on um, because somehow he realises that the magic won't work on him if he's wearing Nagash's crown. And then he puts Galmaraz through his skull. Which uh, puts Peter to his, his uh, undead army, as us undead players are well familiar with. <laughs> no, never See, never let your necromancer into combat. <laughs> See third edition uh, rules for that one. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't come back after that, does he? Until end times. Uh, now, uh, no, I don't think so. It, there's one bit where he's dead for like 800 years. Uh, oh, there's like a bit where, he, I don't know, he comes back a bit uh, sketchily. I don't know about that bit. Uh, yeah, it's like he, he sort of half comes back a few times, like in the whole crown thing and whatnot. I mean, his model, there's the famous old model with his yeah, hat. Let's, just, let's talk trash about his model. <laughs> <laughs> the first Nagash model is a glorious sight to behold. He stands slightly taller than Noga, has hat that is taller than his torso by a factor of two, I think, with bat wings on, six bat wings. It's like, it's so elaborate, you don't realize he's just wearing a big pointy wizard hat with bat wings on it. <laughs> because his old model is literally just a giant walking skeleton. Like the new one, which is amazing, does have sort of like dry, desiccated remnants of flesh on it in places. 
I think his new model is one of the few good things to come out of the end times because it is a very impressive model. It's fantastic, especially like the the books orbiting him and yeah, and he's he's all he's sort of he's flying on like a spirit horse, like that, isn't it? Um, and uh, let's not forget that he has retained a very impressive hat. His his new hat is actually just amazing. That's it's like. Yeah. But it, Skel- it's skeleton in, Pope. In keeping with the rest of his model. So is this any particular is Nagash your favourite character? Because mine I do I, I will admit I love his model and I love the guy, but no, I didn't pick them in any particular order because I think they're all there for different reasons. I don't know. What else is there to say about him? He's one of the best wizards. Uh he also fights like a dragon that is also magical. Uh he is definitely the best summoner in the game, to the best of my knowledge. Uh and I believe he's also technically a level nine wizard. He's level five. Is he level five? Um, and he can pick. I think he can pick his spells, which only. No, he's he just he just knows all of them. Right. Yeah, <laughs> he's a law master in uh, in a few avenues. I'm not super familiar with the end time rules. Like I say, I never got to use him. I've never played them, but I, yeah. I don't much use them. I've seen him played in battle reports and stuff. It does look a lot of fun, but. Um, yeah, you've got to watch out for them cannons as you've got anything large in their fantasy. You've got to watch out for cannons. Um, well, my first one, if... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's be done with the cash. <laughs> um, I went for Lariel, the Ever Queen, to continue my run of high elf characters or units or armies. Um, yeah, this is the one more for her game effects. Um, but she's got some... She, I mean, fluff's not too bad. Um, the Ever Queen is the avatar of Isha. Um, so every every Ever Queen's daughter then becomes the Ever Queen, but is also infused with the souls of all of her um, ancestors, uh, going back to Isha, who's the mother of the first Ever Queen. So she's sort of almost like... Um, the god emperor of mankind just for elves um, but in the fluff um, a mother's killed um, there's this big event in Avalon to crown the new um, ever queen tragically it gets invaded by dark elves and there's this sort of terminator style um, terminator one style uh, chase thing um, as uh, Tyrion rescues her and goes off into the the woods of Avalon trying to evade these dark elves and he gets poisoned and he gets um, uh, fighting off these witch elves and he's trying to protect her and they don't get on and then she comes to sort of realise she thinks he's a like a bloodthirsty maniac because he's, he's very good at killing he's uh, an angry lad that Tyrion yeah he's got, he's got issues um, and he thinks she's just like haughty and you know she doesn't know what she doesn't know what real life's all about and it is when i was listening to the, uh, some on youtube you get all the, the law and it was like this is pretty much terminator one just like she's sarah connor like learning to become going from helpless to a strong character and i'm sorry i, I was saying i didn't mean i didn't want to i didn't want to cut in your introduction of him earlier her earlier but 
If you've ever watched the Nickelodeon gem, the highly acclaimed Avatar, it's literally what she is. <laughs> and I just, that's my, it's kind of fun to do like, do a bit of research for these because I've been finding loads of mind blowing things I didn't notice uh, when I was a kid. Oh, um, they, they stole everything. In the, oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> they ransacked it. Shameless stealing. Um, so at this point, Ulthwin has been, there's a massive uh, invasion of the Dark Elves and they're not doing very well. And because the Everqueen's died and the new Everqueen has now gone missing, presumed dead, they're all on some sort of low morale. Uh, the morale's gone, essentially. Um, I'm, I don't know who the Phoenix King is at this point. Is it? It probably is Finubar at this point. Um, I think it is Finubar. Yeah. My elf lore is a bit hazy, but I'm, he is Phoenix King for quite a while, for a lot of it. He's Phoenix King before... Yeah, he must be, because he's Phoenix King when uh, uh, Tyrion and Teclis are presented to to see whether they've got the blood of... The Narius blood's turned them mad or not. So it mm. must be him. Anyway, um, it's all in chaos. They can't organise the armies. They're getting pasted. I think they've even breached the Inner Kingdoms. Um, and there's this sort of chase sequence with, uh, with Tyrion and Elariel. Um And the, the gist of it is that they eventually turn up, at the, they're about to get killed. And I think uh, Teclis just turns up, uh, having left the White Tower and said, I know my brother's in danger. I've got to go and save him. That's when he, fight, he gets the crown of Safri and forges sword anyway. And in standard, yeah. like, um, what is it? linear fighters quadratic mages um when tetris turns up he just kills all of the dark elves with magic <laughs> ah yes why not a dear sex machina at all no why why can't he he's he's quite he's quite powerful and then they go to i think it's finival plain that's the battle that they end up at and the other queen's back and raises morale and the, the high elves win and it's where uh Syrian kills Orion Poisonblade, who's like the champion of the Witch King. And I'm sure it's the one where um, Teclis restarts the uh, Assyrian's flame in Malekith. So he's, he has to, he's, he almost incinerates him back. He sort of rekindles the um, embers of the flame of Assyrian that's incinerated Malekith the first time. And he has to portal himself into the realm of chaos to escape but that's another story i didn't I, you know that's, that's cool because i didn't know i didn't know malekith got set on fire twice yeah that's how it's, like they're having this magical duel and, and Tetlas just sort of returns on the um the Turns the point, and it's like oh bollocks <laughs> can't put up with much of this so he flips <laughs> into the realm of chaos and has some crazy adventure there um but that's I haven't picked Mal no spoilers, I haven't picked Malekith, so I won't go into that. Um so that's how she starts. Um she then has a uh, it's the Phoenix King and the Everqueen. They have one year together um to produce a daughter who will be the next Everqueen, and then they can do what they like. Uh, the, <laughs> the, yeah, no pressure. No, they're not yeah. They're not they're not married, or they don't have to stay married. Um, they can take as many other uh, lovers or whatever as as they want. Alariel ends up with uh, Tyrion, um, which is quite unusual because they it's not usual that they would just take one. Yeah, uh, they would do what they want. 
Um, oh, but isn't that romantic though? Yeah, it's quite different. But um, she's but she doesn't she doesn't turn her back on Finubar. Um, she's massively supporting him to the point where there's some instance where the princes aren't happy with what he's doing. I think because he he's a big diplomat, so he frequently goes off to other nations, and he's he's still an explorer. Hmm. And the council that they leave behind to rule it, they're, they're not happy with what what he's doing, or they're, they're making bids for power. So she. Um, makes a big thing of turning up and you can't really deny the Ever Queen. That would be political suicide. So she backs him up in um, what in his rule. So she backs him up. So And she's sort of a bit controversial in um, elven society because um, the, the traditional role of the, role of the Ever Queen is just to be like nice and uh, she looks after the fertility rituals and she looks after nature and she's like... Um, very supposed to be very maternalistic. Alariel uh, doesn't, well, she does that, but she also goes to war. She's uh, she leads armies. She's very well. She's not very militaristic, which is much more militaristic than they used to. So, hands on. Yeah, she's um, she gets involved in stuff. She leads armies. She's a very powerful magic user, and it's a bit different for um, an ever queen to do that hmm. because, like. Her and uh, Finibar, you know, they back each other up. No one's going to make too much of an issue with that. Yeah. Um, however much they murmur about it. So I like that fluff element of it. That she's um, she's got this role, but she's sort of she makes it her own. Yeah. Uh, so I like that about her. And her game rules are she's probably the best high elf special character i I don't really like using special characters but i'll make an exception for her Um, yeah she is i remember from what you what you told me she is terrifying for what she can do to a unit she's a much she's she's not much of an aggressive character but her defensive um benefits are brilliant um whatever unit you put her in um, she gives them a five-up ward save against non-magical attacks. She can cast high magic, which improves that by one every time she casts. So she's a level four, but she's a level five because of uh, Blessing. Um, so she's plus five to casting high magic. Um, so you're probably going to get, if you if you don't get it off, it goes wrong, which I spoke about in the episode with Gavin. But um, you stick her in a white lion horde, and they've now got a five up ward save against non magical attacks, which she'll improve in the magic phase. She's got heroic killing blow against um, forces of destruction, like um, demons and dead. Demons in. Um, I mean, she's only strength three, she's got one attack, but she could, mm-hmm. if you roll right, um, take down a greater demon with one touch. Which is nasty. Um, she makes the unit she's in uh, fearless, I think. Uh, or in, I don't think it doesn't make them immune to psychology. It just makes them immune to fear and terror. Uh, she also opens up the if, uh, banner of Avalon, which if you put that on a unit, they now plus four to casting life magic on that unit. So it could be plus eight. <laughs> you pick a, a life. You pick a law of life instead of law of high magic so she's very good in in game terms she's good and i like her fluff um and she's 
instrumental in the White Lion Alarial Horde of Death. Um, and I've used it a few times. And just, I mean, I've never bulldozed anyone with it because it's all at tournaments. And so every super-powered thing you bring, there's a super-powered counter to it. Yeah. Which is fun to use. Um, Frankly, if you use that against me, I would riot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one you should ask permission. Yeah. To do it. And what's your competition? Skeletons and zombies. <laughs> it's a bit of overkill, to be honest. Well, um, you can stick a... If you give the White Lion Horde banner bearer the banner of the world dragon, now you've got... If you cast two spells, she's now two up against... Three up against... Three up ward save against all non-magic attacks and two up ward save against all magic attacks. Mm-hmm. So that's quite a durable unit. Oh, and not to mention, if you use the law of life, she can. They'll be having regeneration and all that nonsense. Oh yeah, so she can all that. Like it's increased toughness, isn't it? And yeah, toughness six guys. Um, and regrowth, so you can get them back. So I've never used it with law of life, but I probably will give it a try when we can play again. Um, yeah. but that's why uh, this is in no particular order, but Alaria is in my top five. But um, I know the model's not very, uh, well, it's not great, but there's some great artwork of her. Uh, yeah, I think I often find, and I just found this out recently, I follow some of um, the uh, main GW artists on on Instagram. Um, <clears throat> and I can't remember if it was a Dave Gallagher, I think it might have been Dave Gallagher, um, posted something about how there's a lot of modern restrictions on the art content so it has to be stuff that is models basically Mm. there's no you can't uh this happened apparently oh i don't want to i could probably timeline it just from looking at it looking how the art changed but obviously it wasn't going on like say 2010 i think it was a bit behind it was about about after 2012 i think you remember like uh your carl kapinski stuff and that always had like there was always a lot of life to the art like you know you saw a space marine it wasn't just a space marine they would have like lots of cool little doodads and fetishes and oh yeah adornments on the yeah. art but then suddenly if you look at the modern artwork now it's not bad but it is very much this is the model as it's depicted with no extra stuff so if you see a portrayal of Gilliman in the art for example it looks like the model you can get of him uh, so there was a push towards marketability in the art. Um, so mm, I, I, that makes me a bit sad because there's a lot of like the really old, cool, uh, small side art pieces that used to be on like the page corners. Yeah. Uh, you, we've lost a lot of that stuff and you lose a lot of the really cool background art that had, uh, I mean, I suppose characters have always been fairly directly produced uh, depicted in the artwork, so you'll keep that. But it makes me sad that you don't get to see like marines look a lot less lived in in the art now. For example, um, so they're not yeah. Yeah, they're not you're not allowed to depict something that you can't go out and buy. It is strongly discouraged. Yes, that's a bit of a shame. Oh, uh, but the, the whole idea is they don't want to present, I guess they don't want to present kids specifically, but also customers with like, oh, look at this cool thing. We don't make it, but look at it. <laughs> um, well, now you're getting into the um, 
Warhammer Total War thing of, oh, everybody likes this game, but oh, we can't buy it. Yeah. Um, that issue again. Or like, oh, this Norskin faction's really cool. Where are the models? <laughs> um, uh, they don't exist, and the game doesn't exist. So uh, come and uh, <laughs> look at this crazy crap that Age of Sigmar's got. Yeah, why? Well, let me tell you a little story about a really great game that's even better than one at all. Also, um, side note: a trick was heavily missed when it wasn't called Total Warhammer. I, I assume there was some it's copywriting. IP. It's going to be copywriting, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, blending two companies' IP yeah. that is probably a legal nightmare. But Total Warhammer would have been such a cool game. <laughs> That would have been good. Uh, oh, sorry. Snorted there. Um, I was being too hilarious. Oh, sorry. Uh, am I up again? You are. What is your fourth? Uh, sorry, fourth? Number four? What is your second choice? My second pick. Now, well-renowned, I think. Uh, he, he has been a Chaos character for as long as 40K has had characters for Chaos Marines. And it is your boy, Khan the Betrayer. Or Karn, depending on how you want to pronounce that how accent. How you pronounce that triangle above his... Karn? Karn. I'm assuming it's Karn. Everyone it's says Karn. Karn. Yeah. Um, Karn the Betrayer is... What can I say? He is the OG assassin and unit deletion choice for most chaos players who like to use a special character i don't use special characters a lot but he is one of the only ones i've ever fielded a few times did it make you feel powerful to field such a uh, it, it really did um because here's the thing uh he has the unique distinction in 5th, 6th, and 7th, I think it still holds an 8th, of being the only character who can technically have 100% hit accuracy in close combat. Uh, because if he's in a unit, uh, he hits on a 2+, plus, and if he rolls 1, you just resolve it against his unit, so he never misses. Yeah, that was um, the thing, that he, he chops up his own people. Khan yeah. uh, cares not for when the blood when, the blood flows, and neither do I. To quote Khan of a trip, his art of war. Yes, <laughs> his other quote, which is quite famous, is "Mame kill burn, mame kill burn." <laughs> it's quite catchy. That it's you know it's it's a good uh, it's a good one for the um, for the uh, rally circuit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get that. those votes. Um, I, I like Khan because uh, he, he's one of those characters who seems simple, and I guess in his current form, he very much is. Uh, but if you look back into his history, there's a lot more to him, and I really like what they did with him in Horus Heresy. I was going to bring this up, because when he's introduced, he's a perfectly reasonable, and probably one of the more reasonable <laughs> Marines um, yeah. in the uh, world eaters. Yeah, he's like he's literally the opposite, and I, I think that was kind of a little author in joke, is that he's really calm and not doesn't <laughs> rise to being provoked. No, um, it's, uh, he's one of the nicer characters. <laughs> he is, uh, and honestly, the um, in I think is it first? It's not first heretic. It's betrayer, uh, but it has characters from first heretic. His, his bromance with Argal Tal is one of the most beautiful things in the Horus Heresy. You've got this slowly maddening Khan 
palling around with the one rational but also demon possessed <laughs> word bearer. <laughs> um, and they just make a really a, a, a very fine buddy cop traded you. <laughs> Why is it all mad? I haven't got that far in the Horus Heresy. It's quite a ways in. Um, so basically, he achieves prominence. Uh, uh, he is a warhound, so he is a pre Angron world leader, um, which is uh, uh, not a, a some fans don't know that some of the legions were renamed when they found their Primarchs. So, for example, the Dusk Raiders became the Death Guard, the Warhounds became the World Eaters. Um, Lunar Wolves become the... Uh... Not them. Well, that's the famous example I should have gone to, really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Lunar Wolves become the Sons of Horus, become the Black Legion. Um, yeah, so he is the... <sighs> so he's from Earth, then, if he's pre... I, I don't know. It doesn't. I'm not sure if he's actually stated as Terran, but he is. He is pre-Angron Legion, so he is the surviving captain. There aren't many. Uh, I don't know if your your readers, your subscribers, uh, smash that like button, comment, and subscribe. Um, Ring that bell. Link. Follow us on MySpace and Twitter. What was that other friends reunited? Okay. Friends reunited. High five. Give high us five, give us five on high five. Um, uh, yeah, he. Um, when they're recovered, uh, you, people who are listening to this probably already know the story of how Angron was recovered by the Emperor in that he is about to die. He's leading a, gladiatorial, uh, a gladiator uprising on his homeworld. And he and his slave fighters are about to fight the last bitter showdown to the death. And the Emperor teleports him, and only him, <laughs> out of it. Uh, this is seen as... He takes exception to it, let's say. Uh, Angron is very unhappy. So unhappy that when he's delivered to the World Eaters, as they become known, they have to, they have to lock him in a hold on their own flagship because he keeps killing people on site. Um, at this, this point, came up in the um, Emperor versus Emperor episode, uh, in that this is a mark against the Emperor and how he treats Angron. Yeah. How he treats. What's yeah. um, the other Primarch? He has a very similar thing, but he does he does help him and rescue his. Um, is it Korax? It's either Korax or Vulcan. No, because no, yeah. Korax has his weird little rebellion. Yeah, I'm sure it's Corvus Korax. And by sure, I mean... Um, 55% sure. 55% sure, and don't at me. Uh, <laughs> I'm only human. <laughs> um, and I also don't use Twitter, so you can't at me. <laughs> there is definitely a Primarch who is in similar circumstances to Angron, but the Emperor helps all his friends. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure it is Korax. The Emperor just says, well, hang on, where's all my friends? The Emperor says, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, bye. Yeah, there's your lead. <laughs> just nopes on out of there yeah. and leaves the World Eaters to greet their new Primarch. And oh, 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 actually, another misstep on, uh, on the God Emperor's part, if there was a possible. Um, he... Makes the world eater world eater captains swear an oath not to harm Angron, no matter how provoked they are. <laughs> so they go in one by one, and he kills them. 
And Khan is one of the very last captains <laughs> of the Legion at this point. Uh, so uh, he goes in, finds Angron sitting on a pile of power-armored corpses. Uh, and um, Angron attacks him. Uh, but like his forebearers, he takes his oath seriously um, and does not retaliate. But he also doesn't bow or kneel or beg either. Um, while he's being beaten to very close to death, uh, he manages to interject tales of the victories and trials of the Warhounds. Um, and Angron relents, uh, recognizing that they're not like a bunch of prissy, um, you know, Warriors who don't get their hands dirty from space, uh, who, like his father, uh, <laughs> sit high removed from the fights. See, that's the thing I think that's the seed of Angron's hate of the Emperor is that basically the Emperor in that moment reminds him of the guys who used to watch the gladiatorial fights from above. The Emperor couldn't have got him all wrong, really. Yeah, he really, that's a bit of an own goal, that one. <laughs> But yeah, uh, this uh, is what makes Khan promoted to Warmaster's Equerry and first captain of the World Eaters. Uh, so he rises to prominence by showing the exact opposite of all the traits he's later known for, as in calmness, doesn't rise to provocation, uh, <laughs> uh, is chill in the face of shouting people punching him. Um then, then uh, Angron says, hey, guys, you know these things in my head that make me nuts? Uh, that's to be the butcher's nails. Combat implants given to all the gladiators of his homeworld. Um, and you know how Astartes are already, like, test over, like, basically testosterone in f soaked and steroid. They, it, is, it is canon that they are treated with basically super steroids to make them giant fighty people. Um, who are primed for aggression. It's like, wouldn't it be great if we jab these things in your brain that uh, make you angry if you're not killing things and make you feel pain if you're not showing aggression? And everyone's like, sure, that seems fine. Uh, except the librarians, but they've swiftly become irrelevant by being killed. <laughs> uh, because they can't have the nails because it, uh, it absolutely destroys a brain that is psychic, uh, it turns out. Um, so anyway, Khan bobs along, as most people in the heresy did. Uh, <clears throat> honestly, his trajectory, I don't want to I don't want to cover too much on him, actually, because his trajectory from there to where he ends up is actually really interesting and very well done um, by mostly Aaron Dembski-Borden, who I think is probably either on par with or second only to Dan Abnett. Um, I know he's sort of his protege in terms of the writing scene, but uh, honestly, his Night Lords novels and any of the, one of the novels that he's read, that he's written that I've read, they're all fantastic. Um, I like his, uh, I've said this a few times, his Master of Mankind book is how I visualize the Emperor now. I haven't read that one yet. Is it good? I strongly recommend it. I shall check it out. It's yeah, he's very good at humanizing the inhuman. Um, like he made, I know I've used that term for the artwork, but he makes the universe like Abnett does, which is what I think makes him great. 
makes them both great is that they make the universe feel lived in. Like they, they make space marines inhuman but relatable. Like they've managed to find the humanity in the most inhuman of humanity's forces in the sense that they, they're not all just rah, honor, rah, kill aliens. There's, there's personality to each one of them. Um, and he really gets that across with Khan, who has a bit of a early Khan, has that uh, sardonic sense of humor. He's a bit deadpan. That, of course, all goes out the window eventually. <laughs> um, but yeah, at some point, Khan goes a bit off the deep end. Inherits, we're going to breeze past a lot. I'm not making the same mistakes I made with Nagash. Um, <laughs> picks up one of his uh, his papa, and by papa I mean Primark, Angron's old axes, Go Child. The other one's called Go Father, which is kind of adorable. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Now he's a giant um, demon prince. Yeah, he's just, he just, they're just lying around in a ship, and he finds one, and then runs off with it. It's amazing. It's not giant. It's Primark's thirteen feet tall. They are. It's the Godfather's like the offhand. Sorry, Godchild's the offhand axe. Oh, right. If you actually look at him in artwork, the the bite of the axe, uh, the cutting edge of it is about as long as Khan's torso, if not a little longer. <laughs> uh, it's a big axe. It's really huge. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, he's. Um, He's a fun character to play because, you know, there's great risk and great reward. He doesn't have a ward save, or at least I haven't checked his 8th or ninth because, again, my own warrior's army's new and doesn't use Khan. Uh, but uh, he didn't used to have any ward save, and he only had a 3-plus save, which was a bit odd in the Chaos character pantheon. But that's he's just there to put him in a big unit of Berserkers. People who say Berserkers aren't good shock troops, uh, idiots. Uh, who don't? Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say it. I, I'm. You know what? I, I hear it so much, so much. Like, oh, they're overcosted. They're not very good at what they do. If you just trust in them and deploy them and use them, they will perform if you can advance them right. I, I don't think there's such a with well, with the exception of the Tyranid Pyrovor. I don't think there's any true junk units in the modern game. That there's there's some ones you're less likely to use. Sure. Oh, wait, no, I forgot mutilators exist. Never mind. Forget I said anything. <laughs> mutilators are garbage. <laughs> but Berserkers, they're pretty good. And if you put Khan in a wedge of them, they will tear through an army. Um, so he is one of the examples of a character who I really enjoy his fluff. I know I've skimmed a lot. Um just because I, I kind of want people to enjoy it by discovering themselves in the books if they're inclined to do it. Um Obviously, he's known as Khan the Betrayer because of not because of his special rule. He's actually known because uh, of another weirdly uncharacteristic part of his past. Uh, at some point, when the traitors are repeat, retreating from Earth, at this point, Khan has allegedly died twice. I should add, uh, but Khan doesn't like him dying, so he just keeps nudging him back up, <laughs> uh, resing him. Um, he uh, there's uh, they're on a world called Scalathrax, I believe. Scalathrax. Uh, uh, <clears throat> he's there with the Empress' children, uh, and it's it's a, I believe it's a demon world. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, memory's a bit hazy on this one. And him and the Empress' children are fighting, and Corn, the 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 world eaters need a victory to claim the world as their own. 
before the night falls, because on Scalathrax, night is like lethally cold. Uh, so people start hunkering down. Uh, the noise, uh, the, the noise marines, the, the Empress children, which would probably have noise marines in, <laughs> and world eaters hunger down alike to hide from the cold. And Khan's having none of that and picks up a flamer and goes apeshit mental with it, uh, which is kind of weirdly uncharacteristic. Uh, he starts burning down all the shelter and anyone who gets in his way and uh, sort of just runs hog wild. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's where he earns the nickname and reflected in his rules. Uh, it's reflected in his rules perfectly that, you know, if he thinks you're not pulling your weight, he'll just lop your head off. Or if he's not hitting anything else, he'll lop your head off. Um, I kind of like him because of all of all of the special characters in the Chaos Pantheon, I think he most fully embodies his god. Like Lucius has, you know, the the pride and the whatnot and the martial prowess. Um, but I always feel like the other guys, like I suppose, true to Zinch, Araman is a bit like ooh, a bit way, a bit whoa. Um, <laughs> a bit sketchy, uh, but not fully loyal to even Zinch because, and I guess that's fitting. I just well, he's trying to undo the rubric, rubric, yeah. So Which, maybe uh, not actually. But um, Zinch doesn't want that undone, or does he? Who knows? Hmm. Well, who's to say? Not him ever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Khan just feels like the purest reduction of what Corn wants, and that's blood and skulls, and uh, he delivers. <laughs> with gusto um i think he's always had a beautiful model his old one was what originally 1993 or might have been 90 it might have been earlier um and it still looked good the day they retired it uh which was a bit odd he's the one that least that least needs a new model but he got it first i think um but his new model is spectacular as well so you know win-win um i think the only thing that made his old model a bit silly was it was very small uh, compared to the new chaos line. Um, That's the common problem now with the the new scale. Uh, yeah, you can you can get around it. I've done it with some Forge World models. Uh, if you have them standing on rubble and you put some spacing material between the old you know the old ball joint and socket joint of the torso and legs. If you put some filler in between, you can artificially enhance the height a bit, and it. it if the sculpt's good, um, especially with the Forge World stuff, it doesn't really harm harm their harm them much. Like they, their proportions hold. Uh, pro tip for hobbyists there. Uh, but yeah, you couldn't have done that with Khan because he was basically a two piece model. Uh, three, sorry, it was axe, body, and backpack. I think. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think he's a he's a well deserved stable entry. Uh, I would think he's a popular choice. There's lots of memes and fan art of him. Uh, people can't get enough of the guy, uh, and rightly so. I think he deserves a permanent place in the Chaos Character Pantheon. Oh, fair enough. Um, well, my second uh, choice is uh, Commissar Yarrick. Oh. Um, and this is... Nothing to do with the tabletop because I don't think I've ever used them on the tabletop. I'm a guard player and I haven't. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what he does. I only assume he is some high leadership and stops running running away. It's all to do with 
his image and his his fluff and his background because he's, he's such a I don't know what he's like the almost the archetype commissar character and yes he's, he's almost I, you're reading all the stuff that's happened and you're thinking did this happen or is this just imperial propaganda yeah <laughs> because you're never really sure um it it almost reads like a you know, he's one day from retirement when the orc invasion comes <laughs> up. He's literally just about to retire, and he says, "No, I'm not. I will. Um, I'll, I'll stay in the retirement, and I'll stay on to defend um, Armageddon." And he's like, he's got this. Uh, he's got this. He's in dispute with the planetary governor von Straub. Yes. He, cast, he says, "You know what you're doing. That this is a major problem." Uh, and he sends the, a message through the astropathic network to say, we're in serious trouble here. And von Straub goes mad and, and sends him to Hades Hive as sort of a punishment. And then he holds Hades Hive for, for, against the massive orc invasion. And because he's doing so well, the orcs, because they love fighting so much, they sort of lose interest in the overall strategic um objectives of conquering Armageddon and they all just focus on Hades Hive which is it's absolutely destroyed by the the end of it I, I think they lose it at the end it is it, it actually it, it explodes yeah. entirely <laughs> I think but, they crash a meteor into it or something yeah and because but because he's put up such a resistance <laughs> the, the invasion sort of goes awry and Thraker starts it's like a personal challenge to him and just that Yarrick's like He's, he's inspiring the troops and he's, he must be, because he served a full t- term before, so he must be He's old. like 80, he's yeah. 80 or something. <laughs> he might be over 100 at this point. It does mention he's old. Yeah, he's old by the time this all happens. And then he's he has a punch-up with um, uh, some war boss. I can't read this. Oogle Hard or something like that. Um, and this... <laughs> Or cuts his arm off. Um, but before he can cheer about it, um, Yarrick just decapitates him and <laughs> his arm, which is a massive power claw thing, um, and decides, oh, I'll, I'll use this. Yeah. Um, and bolted onto him. I love that uh, my old theory, you might remember this from way back in the day, my old theory is that the reason he wields a storm bolter in his other hand is to balance the arm out. Yeah, it must be. It's the only human who can... Wheels a massive, almost marine-sized storm bolt at one-handed. Yeah, his model. Um, he's got this. He loses an eye at some point, so he has a laser eye put in because Bail he. Eye. Yeah, the warrior card. Yeah, he understands. He's some somewhat of an expert on orcs. Before, like during his normal service, he becomes he can speak orc or. <clears throat> And um, he understands their culture and stuff. So there's this, he hears that the Yorks think that he can kill with a look. So that's his justification, right, well, now I will be able to, because that will back up the, the mythology. So he understands Orc psychology. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm-hmm. I just think he's, he's great. He's like, he's... If you wanted a, a hero to emerge from like an absolutely farcical situation that shouldn't have happened, like this yeah. invasion again, they should have been better prepared for it and they weren't. But they've just raised this guy to like 
if it, it whether it happened or not, it works as a, a morale building thing. But if it did happen, he's like one of the greatest human heroes of all time. Oh, he's, he's quite the guy. Um, uh, thing is, he is real because he, <laughs> that's the thing. I do like the meta narrative look at him, but the the reason you know he's real is because uh, after that, he, he launches a counterattack. Yes, I he believe, does. Yeah. Chases Gasgol Thrak across space. Yeah, doesn't he team up with, um, I don't know if it's the Black Templars or something, but they, they team up with the Black Templars. Yeah, it makes sense for them. And they go off on a, on a orc hunting adventure themselves. Um, and he comes back for the third Battle of Armageddon, I think. He does, yes, yeah. I believe. He's back. And how he's this old and, and still doing stuff, it's it's explained like he's got Juvenat. Um, yeah, he's, cause I think in canon, the, the, the current timeline point we're at, he's like 120. <laughs> yeah. But it's not, I mean, the High Lords of Terror are all ancient, so it's not impossible. And you could see why the, the Imperium would see it's worth a while to, for the propaganda and morale reasoning to keep them around. Oh, absolutely. Um, but he's just such a, he's such a fun character that it's like, he's the, he's a, almost, I imagine a, a bit like Arlie Ermey, um <laughs> crossed with, he's got a dapper uniform and he's, uh, he's just an inspiring leader for humans. Yes. And there's that theory that, um, you know how orc technology works because they think it works. Yes. Well, they think he can't die, so that's why he doesn't. <laughs> ah, they couldn't both ways. Yeah. No, didn't, what, I, didn't he have a rule where if he, you remove his last wound, you you roll he a gets dice back up? Back up. Yep. So uh, um, he's not the only character who has that rule. Actually, uh, there's there's three or four. One is about to become relevant, I think. Um. So and, and the model's great as well. He's got the traditional commissar look. He's got his long black coat. He's got medals, I think, on the, the giant the, hat, giant <laughs> hat, giant uh, power claw. Um, it's an old model now. I think it probably could do with an update, but it's still it's, good. Uh, Ninety nine, I think. Yeah, I had the but it's in yes. red as well now. I think it's uh, he has that gaunt. He actually has a, like a wizened old guy face as well. Yeah, he's very. Um, like thin in his face, it's all. Yeah, it's it's just a great uplifting story of one man's struggle against bureaucratic ineptitude and world-ending orc invasion. Yeah, um, and it's it's nothing really to do with these rules. I just think he's a great character. Yeah, uh, there's a few of my on my list who aren't on there for their rules at all. Like Khan is has good rules but he was there law first because i just I, I i kind of love his trajectory um so i fully respect that i mean the next pick on my list has not i've never played as their faction never mind as as their army never mind use them on the tabletop <laughs> yeah, like I, I i think i flirted with getting the guard you had steel legion yeah yeah that was back before that was back when they had about three metal models and they were all mechanized and it would have cost a fortune to, to buy it. I think you got two, you got, you got a couple of squads in your defense, but then you, I think you're like, oh no. Oh, got, Yarrick is, is he attached to the Steel Legion? He must be if he's on Armageddon. Uh, technically, yes. I mean, 
it's sometimes quite vague on how commissars work because they're outside the rank structure. They're attached to regiments, but they can just leave because they're they're not guard technically. They're well, in some books they are, but I believe they're scholar progenium, so they can just go yeah, if they, they want. Just they, they don't have um, they don't have like command authority. They, no, but they have the authority to overrule all command. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very not, strange. It's they can advise, and but they're supposed to. Even if the officer gets killed or they kill the officer, um, they're supposed to hand over to the next proper commissioned officer as soon as possible. Yes. Um, but like, it's, I, I don't didn't read too much. Anyway. I don't know if he was like planning all the stuff, and he was you know, basically in charge of the defense of Hades. Yeah, so he's. So, Commandeered one hive to say, <laughs> "Yoink!" Actually, we're going to defend this. We're not going to just cave it in. So he's he's an uplifting imperial uh, hero, and um, you don't. I, I've never seen him used. Unfortunately, I would like to see him used more often. Whether or not he feels are any good, he's an odd duck. I think he has a. He, well, he used to have. I don't know if he still does. He used to have a, a a power field that reduced the strength of incoming attacks, which is an odd but useful thing. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, he has this power fist equivalent, obviously, uh, and a storm boulder. Maui's 80-year-old spine can take the weight <laughs> of a massive orc power claw. One can assume that they've stuffed a bunch of suspenses in it, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd hope. Otherwise, how? Does he use that in his normal day-to-day job? I mean, does he write? Does he, it? That's what I was thinking. Does he take it off, or is he always walking around with that giant oak power claw? Does he have the uniform? paperwork with it. Yeah, like I've, I've got to fill in some forms, some requisitions with a giant oak power claw. I have to hang on. I have to take a seat because I've got to put the bolter down for this. <laughs> and I'll oh, tip. Yeah. Oh, yeah, his other, his other hand is occupied with a bolter, so I imagine it's got like some sort of docking station on his desk. <laughs> Presumably, um, yeah, people don't think about this sort of stuff when yeah. they design heroic, brilliant-looking models. It's like, so what does he do when he when he's when he's not being commissarioric? <laughs> hangs up the jacket. Huh? Um, he's got this giant bane blade called is it the the Fortress of Arrogance? <laughs> Just it's a great name. It's amazing. It actually, I think, it actually sacrifices its pintle, its pintle mount weapons to put a pulpit on it for him <laughs> on top of the main gun turret. Uh, it's a beautiful kit. Well, it's technically it's not a real kit. It's a, it's a bane blade kit with modifications, but it has rules. Um, they are in the first apocalypse book, I believe. It's, it's a, um, so he's got his own uh, pimped out bane blade. Um, he's got Juvenat. He's, the Imperium has done quite a, quite well. He was one of the few yeah. humans who've done quite well out of the Imperium. And for like a, a commissar, is, although it's a powerful thing, it's not very high ranking. You know, they don't have inquisitorial power. They don't. But he, he's but been the... out of obscurity to become this Imperial hero. You, then you get the the weird the I I don't even want to. Lord Commissars, so there's Lords of Commissars. Oh, that's yeah, they're, like, they're, they're on parallel uh, ranks, aren't they? But he's not a Lord Commissar. He's just he's just the basic. It's just the guy. He would yeah. probably be a Lord Commissar now, I think. But I'm like, sure if he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some story where he was offered it and he refused it until he'd gone after Thraker because he wanted to stay front line. He didn't want to. 
<laughs> we have be behind your damn desk. Yeah, he's in front of behind the desk. He's it's like uh, like Captain Kirk. He didn't really want to be an admiral. He wanted to be a captain. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, I can't look at William and shout without saying, "What does God want with the stars?" <laughs> it's not relevant, Yarrick, but <laughs> what does Yarrick want with a fortress of arrogance? Um. Well, actually, this segues perfectly into my next pick. Oh. Um, which is, to use his full name, Reclusiarch Merek Grimaldus of the Black Templars, the hero of Hell's Reach. Well, uh, here's a, this is going to be a learning experience because I have no idea who this guy is. Oh, well, in the Battle of Armageddon, we were just talking about, uh, while Hades Hive was being held uh, by Yarrick, uh, Hell's Reach Hive was held uh, by under the command of Grimaldus newly appointed reclusiarch of the Black Templars. Now, I'm going to level with you guys. Never played as Black Templars, even though I like the color scheme, and I think their fluff is cool in a sort of hilarious way. Um, in that, like, in a world where the space racism of the Imperium is its main driving force, they turned it up to 11 and then turned it more until the knob broke off. <laughs> um, and they really hate aliens, like, so much, so bad. Uh, I just find that kind of amusing in itself. Um, I was about to Templars for, um, uh, oh, yeah, we, we would follow the um, the uh, Codex, Codex. But, but we're on Crusade, so we're exempt. Yeah. There's an estimation somewhere in one of the codices that says, um, and and there's there's a little nugget of knowledge for you fans. Uh, the plural of codex is codices, not codexes. But uh, <laughs> moving on, um, the learning environment. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's in there. It states that it is estimated by the Inquisition that they have between six thousand and ten thousand marines. Because they have no centralized power base. They have no fortress monastery. They're a fleet-based chapter. But wherever they go, they raise fortresses to recruit for each individual crusade. So there's a lot of them. Um, but in their defense, they're not exactly a threat to the Imperium because they're not ever consolidating that power. They're always advancing on the enemy. Um, so it's kind of an odd choice that they defend a hive here. Uh, they have some disagreements with the other hive, the hives of the defenders, like the salamanders, who... <laughs> some idiots who want to preserve civilian life <laughs> for reasons uh, or the emperor would do yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll level with you the main reason he's here is because of Aaron Dembski Borden uh, he wrote again uh, a, yes a pair of novels on the third war for, Arm for Armageddon um, I'll ask him at this uh, um I believe, uh, what are they called? I think the one's called Hell's Reach. Uh, hang on, I just literally turn around because uh, the book is on my bookshelf behind me. Uh, Hell's Reach and Blood and Fire, but you can buy them as uh, I'm not working for Games Workshop anymore. <laughs> but the, the Space Marine Battles books, which was a bit of a hit and miss set, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> um, some of them are great, some of them aren't. One of the better ones is the Armageddon book, which is literally just uh, a mini omnibus of um, of Hell's Reach and Blood and Fire that has uh, has a little mini gloss art spread in the middle with some 
hive maps and maps of Armageddon to give it a bit more, you know, to uh, to, to give a bit of fleshing out to the events of the novel, which is something I always like. I always like that in the Gaunt's Ghost books, like when they have sieges of a hive, for example, they, there was like a basic map of the hive at the start. Yeah. Because I think hives are, can often defy easy description because of their sheer unimaginable size. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's a big... It's much better to see a hive because you can describe how big it is all you want, but to co- in the context of this giant thing <laughs> just in the middle of a massive wasteland. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, he's in charge of the defense of Hell's Reach, uh, something which he does quite well. Uh, he's famous for his speeches. Uh, if you... Honestly, look up his wiki. Uh, there, there's copies of all his speeches. He's such a popular character. In fact, there's a YouTube series. I just found out about this today and watched some of it, actually. It's very good. Uh, based on the Hell's Reach novel. Uh, fan produced by, oh, what's his name? I do want to name drop him because he's done excellent work. Uh, by Richard Boylan. Uh, he's made a series of 13 videos using the Source Filmmaker engine and voiceover from the uh, audio novel uh, to make a really rather good um, depiction of the Hell's Reach novel. Basically, he turns up there and uh, has that distinction of, and I've just noticed this, there's a trend in the guys I've picked is that they're all very hard to kill and they keep coming back. (laughs) And uh, I think Grimaldus actually has that rule as well, same as Yarrick. Because he defends Hell's Reach right up until, and we're talking like uh, he's just casually badass. Uh, in the at one point, he sasses the princeps of an Imperator Titan, and then he does it again <laughs> on her own bridge, um, to the point where she's she's mad because he dispatched his uh, his Master of Forge to. Re- resurrect one of the instrumental things in the Third War of Armageddon, which is Oberon, the um, the Ordnatus Armageddon, the giant land cannon. Oh, uh, yeah. Nova cannon on treads. Uh, it's Grimaldus uh, is the guy who's like, hang on, no one, there's no records of this warehouse uh, contents. It seems to be a mechanical facility. Sends his Master Forge out there to reactivate it. The Mechanicum are not happy about that because it needs to be blessed uh, by the, by some big mucky muck in the Mechanicum. They don't mass produce Ordinatus either. They're special. They do not. One off <laughs> designs. So I can imagine the the uh, awakening rituals are quite in depth for that. They are. Uh, it takes, I think, um, the Tech Marine quotes nine to 11 days to breach the code that locks the vault. Uh, <laughs> And even when he gets it online, he can't use its tertiary weapon systems. He can't bring its void shields online, just the main gun. And he can only fire it every 20 minutes because he has to manually reload it by recharging all the power cells himself. Um, so, yeah, they, they were kind of right. And the Mechanicum threatened to kill Grimaldus for this transgression. And his response to that is to have four Thunderhawks face off at pointed at the cockpit of an Imperator. And he's like, uh, yeah, I'll kill. I'll kill you and me. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Uh, because he knows they can't get the void shields up in time. Uh, for the Thunderhawks, do not blow its head off. 
So, so is he a crazy maverick who obeys he's kind of crazy maverick chaplain? Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, he's a chaplain. Yes. Oh, yeah. He's the reclusiarch. Oh, right. He's that. He's their big guy. Um, <laughs> I, sorry, I, I, I should have made that clear when I said he was reclusiarch. Um, he uh, then defends uh, Hell's Reach. Uh, after Hades explodes, uh, you see that in fact they see Hades explode on the horizon, uh, and so I, so I knew it blows up. Um, that's in the fan videos as well. That's covered. Um, I don't know. He, he he's very human in his way that he 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 realizes that the guard aren't worthless because a lot of space marines think they are, including the Emperor's champion of the Crusades. In uh, a very derisive of him of them but he's like no they just need the, you know they're fighting for their homes they're fighting for their ancestors they're fighting for the imperium and their lives that they don't ignore them and he whips out some speeches man uh mocking the orcs uh and revving up the guard um, I'll not spoil the speech because I won't be able to do it justice but that is very much uh, it's on the wiki in full uh, typed out um, uh, and yeah uh, he survives a cathedral falling on him because as the walls collapse Hell's Reach does survive the war but only just um, the uh, is it Storm Storm Sire Storm Sire I think is the name of the uh, the Imperator that he mocked the princeps of earlier. Uh, that explodes. That dies. Um, yeah, the second battle for Armageddon wasn't just like a light skirmish. <laughs> no, this is the third. Chron- oh, third. No, no, sorry. Second in terms of public knowledge, but chronologically it's the third. Right. That's the that's you know we covered how that's confusing earlier. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, everything goes to shit. Uh, he um, ends up dis- uh, defending. I think his point of the last stand is uh, it's it's a it's a um, a priory belonging to the uh, Order of the Silver Shroud, I believe. Um, so him and a bunch of a few battle sisters that. All the shit Priorus and um, uh, some guard stormtroopers he's befriended along the way because, you know, unique to a lot of space rings, guardsmen and people actually like him because he doesn't treat them like fodder. <laughs> uh, they defend the cathedral against orcs until it literally collapses upon them. Uh, this is ironically after he says, I have dug my grave in this place. That's the famous one that gets quoted in all the codexes. Uh, and it's a, a possibly a thing of note is, and this is on the 1D4 channel at the star, at the top, I will die in this world. I will die on Armageddon. Attributed Reclusiarch Grimaldus of the Black Templars shortly before not dying on Armageddon. <laughs> um, so he's durable. He's very, yeah. He survives. He, he gets out from under the cathedral. And th- th- this is this brings in the propaganda thing again. He's called the hero of Hell's Reach because he is said to be the only one who survived that battle at the cathedral. But there's about you know there's, there's six or seven guardsmen um, make it out too. Uh, some of the sisters survive, I believe. Uh, 
but for propaganda purposes, it's far better to say like you know Grimaldus was kept alive by his faith and emerged alone. But it's very poignant uh, and genuinely, you know, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say you get emotional by the end of Hell's Reach. Um, and as much as I don't like to do spoilers, it's just that bit at the end where he's like the escorting him away to his gunship and there's like these honor guards and the people are cheering his name. And he says to himself, obviously, and he, he thinks to himself, they call me the hero's hell, hero of Hell's Reach as if there is only one. And I was just like, <laughs> that's the good stuff right there. Yeah. Like, it, this is what, you know, when I, when I say like Bowden really humanizes them, it's, you don't ever feel, when he writes Marines, they feel powerful but not invincible. Uh, like the fact that in his Night Lords novels, they're not Pando villains. Sorry, I know we don't have just UK viewers. Pantomime, like, pantomime villains, you know, really stupid, obvious, like mustache twirling, cackling people, um, tying damsels to train tracks and whatnot. Uh, the, the, it gives even night lords, who are at best sociopaths, <laughs> um, a human aspect. Criminal and then, sociopaths. Yeah, uh, who peel people for fun and profit. But even they have like good motivation, and it's the same with Grimaldus. He's not like you don't feel like he ever. Uh, it's actually the reason you see that uh, before Helbrecht pronounces him a time marshal. Helbrecht, their chapter master, pronounces him Reclusiarch. There's a couple of people dissent because they like he, you know, he doubts everything he does. He hesitates. There's always a hesitate uh, seconds of hesitation because he. He worries he won't live up to his predecessor, Reclusiarch Mordred. Um, so they, you get that. That's all comes across in the novel that he's there's always a little bit of hesitance to him, a mix amidst the heroism, and that though he accepts the propaganda, he also resents the, it a little. Um, so the, are, are you, do you like him because he's sort of more fleshed out? I, I do, yeah. I mean, it, on on the battle on the tabletop, he's kind of fun because his kit, big snarly skull hat, obviously. Uh, but he he moves with a bunch of reliquary servitors that carry chunks of the cathedral that fell on, him. <laughs> uh, which is just kind of cool. Um, yeah, I think I just like him because he feels he doesn't feel like a cardboard cutout chaplain. He feels like a creation with a lot of depth and complexity. Like he understands the politics going on around him. Uh, uh, That's that's a good um, uh, feature because it's it's so easy to write or think of space Marines as like that. They know exactly what to do and they turn up. uh, Yeah. Just whatever they want to do, just gets executed and then they leave. Whereas a lot of the real background and stuff, it says, no, they, they have doubt. They they're human. Well, they're transhuman, but they still have feelings, and they're all different. People, yeah, and they've got different personalities. And um, why you know that they do have an opinion on the, the situation they're in, and even go all the way up to the top top ranks. Clearly, yeah. Do. I mean, that's. I think that that actually comes across really well in the novel because the differences of opinion with the salamanders. And the Black Templars, how some even even within the Black Templars, some are like uh, there's one. Uh, again, I'm not trying not to spoil scenes of the book. But there's a nice scene in the book where one of the older 
members of Grimalis's unit is lecturing the young impetuous member, and he's like, "Don't dishonor our battle brothers by disrespecting their ways." It's like there are many chapters of Space Marines, we all fight differently, we're all from different worlds, kind of thing. And he's like, "Yeah, we might be the most space racist of the space racists," but even he's saying like, "We all we're all pulling the same direction, just in." With a different style, uh, and I really like that. Um, it's uh, again, Borden got it really down well when the Night Lords meet other Chaos Marine factions in the books. Like when they go, they visit uh, the Maelstrom, and it marks that they they are very distrustful of the Black Legion because he describes them as stinking of corruption, because those guys have given themselves to the Dark Gods fully, whereas the Night Lords are a bit more pragmatic about it and they're like. We don't really do the demon bit. We're just we're loyal. We, we hate the Imperium and we're loyal to the Long War, but that that's where it ends. And I, yeah, I like. I think his skill and Abnett's probably, and a couple others, not just them, but like uh, I think McNeil gets it too. There's a lot of shades of grey in their characters, and you you you, you know they, they feel believable. And I know it's really hard to suspend disbelief with a universe like one forty thousand sometimes, but they manage it. Uh, I think Grimaldus is a very good example of that in action in the novels. Uh, and you know he's fun on tabletop too. I've skimmed his rules; he's quite powerful. Um, uh, and his kit's still good. Uh, and if I did a Black Templar's army, I would put him in it every time, regardless, because I, I just love the character that much. And I think that's a that's not something you get so much these days. Like a character that's so good, you just want to field them regardless of their rules, because uh, you just you, you know you you love their antics kind of thing. It's quite an orky thing that. Well, you have to love your special characters to feel them if you're an orc, uh, or any of your units. <laughs> that's a whole don't open that kind of words. Well, as we seem to have overshot the time I'd allocated by about 200%, yeah. um, I think we'll split this one. Um, we'll do the other one as in a, a rapidly organized part two. Yeah. Um, I'll arrange that <laughs> differently. Um, do you have any social media you'd like to whore out before <laughs> I wrap this one up? I do, actually. Uh, inspired by what we discussed earlier about art. Unless that's been cut, <laughs> um, I, uh, I, you know, uh, when I said earlier, don't rip, pull down the curtain, Wizard of Oz style. Well, that's obviously just gone out the window. The, the sundered veil to very obtusely reference forty k. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I've just set it up, and uh, obviously also inspired by my. Uh, early discussion of Grimaldus it is the underscore zero underscore of underscore hell's reach very flows off the tongue tongue, that one Uh, on Instagram um, it's basically just an account where I've consolidated all my drawings from over the years that I've liked and I'm not ashamed of showing off and I'm in the process of uploading some of the commission painting I've done and some of the personal painting um, it's mostly fantasy in 40k, but there's a there's a few gun plickets uh, in there for any of our um, anime fans. Well, that, well, I, we're not allowed to. Stretch. That's a different 
Um, non overlapping magisteria to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just to burn out any references to privateer press before anyone logs in. It was swept bust. Um, well, do you remember AT47 or no, Void? Nobody does. Um, War Machine, I've heard of that. That was, supposed, that was supposed to rival GW for all of 10 minutes. That's, that's privately oppressed. Uh, and War Machine Hordes and the other one they did. The one uh, we, we talked in the um, uh, the live stream about, uh, oh, I've got forgotten it. They wouldn't stop talking about it. The, the Navy Battle ones. Oh, that's not man, not man of war. You mean not man of war? Well, whatever it is, it didn't sell well and bankrupt the company. But now it's back like a zombie. To reference Nagash earlier. Hey. Anyway, I will put your Instagram in the uh, box below. Um, don't forget to like, share, subscribe to OnlyFans. Smash, Smash that, that like bell. button. Yeah, like that bell. OnlyFans that like whatever it is. Um. Uh, and w- will you come back, like in the generation game, will you come back next time to, to continue the scoring for your top five characters? Uh, yes, I will be uh, coming back to do that. And I don't know, maybe coming back uh, like a bad case of herpes to this podcast <laughs> um, many times in the future. If I have to bleep that. <laughs> <laughs> might we? Might we? Please don't. Oh, 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 sorry. Yes, I forgot. We're, we're live, even yeah. though... Even though we're not. And why would we be? Anyway, that's it for this one. Um, Join us for part two in whenever we do it.